0: I'm going to speak to you this morning from Psalm 11, the Psalter. I appreciate each Sunday as Tom reads, last Sunday from Psalm 91, this Sunday from Psalm 98. Uh, When I was a baby Christian, I read a psalm a day, not right off the bat, I read the New Testament, but I began to read the psalms and fell in love with the psalms a worship manual, but much more than that. It reveals the heart and character of God and the internal workings of men. It's both a comfort and a rebuke. It gives us instruction and correction, guidance and avoidance, and a love for God and his word that can be transforming. The Psalms are a microcosm of all the Bible. It teaches us about God and ourselves, christ is in it and found throughout it did you know that it's the most quoted book in the new testament 68 times the psalms are quoted isaiah comes close 55. jesus quoted it uh, from the psalms a whole lot the psalms show us our sin and the savior who can save us from that sin and we're going to look at psalm 11 which is really a microcosm of the message of the Psalms and the whole Bible, as I said. And the main point that I have this morning is somewhat simple. Trust God in the midst of madness and chaos of life, for we have a God in the heavens who is not only in charge, but is in control of all things. I'll say that again. Trust God in the midst of the madness and chaos of life, For we have a God in the heavens who is not only in charge, but is in control of all things. Only seven verses, so I should get through them in the allotted time. And yet, I've mined these for six, eight months maybe, and just full of nuggets. So, may God unfold for us this great psalm. The first three verses reveal the heart of man, and verses four through seven reveal to us the character of God. So let's read Psalm 11. Hear the word of our Lord. To the choir master of David, in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see. His eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall see his face." Now, if you wonder about the context of this psalm, just read the first ten. And you'll see some of the context. Of course, you'd have to read the whole book of Psalms, all 150 chapters. And then you'd have to read the whole Bible because that's the context of this psalm. And yet this psalm really speaks to the simplicity of our faith, the simplicity of the message of the Bible. Trust God, cry out to God, his son is revealed. Psalm 110 says, how could David refer to his son as Lord? Jesus speaking to the Jewish leaders, implying that he was the one David referred to. And then Peter on Pentecost, Psalm 16, he quotes, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your holy ones see corruption. And of course, we all know Psalm 22. Jesus quoted it as he hung on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You should read that whole Psalm to find out that God did not forsake him. That it says at the end of the Psalm, he does not look away from his son. And there was comfort there. I could spend the rest of my message quoting from the Psalms. But let's focus in on the message of Psalm 11. So, my first point is trust in the Lord. David says, in the Lord I take refuge. Every time the King James translates this, it translates it as trust. Uh, It's used 25 times in the Psalms, and every time the King James uses it, it's trust. And I think that makes sense. But to take refuge is the way the Hebrews think of abstract words like our word trust and faith. Take refuge in. 1973, I was in the White Mountains. Uh, I'm from Philadelphia. I've been in Maine 34 years now. I'm half a Mainer. I'm getting there. but my cousin lived in Nashua. He lived in Framingham Ass before that. And I just fell in love with New England uh, as a kid. And I didn't know I was going to be here teaching and ministering and having a great time. Uh, but anyway, in 1973, we're in the presidentials. Our vision was to climb each one of them. And uh, we did. But the first day, we got to Dolly Cop campground, and got all our gear, parked my 62 Chevy convertible, the one that I got for a dollar from my uncle. <laughs> uh, we went up the mountain, Mount Adams. We're going up, having a good time, swatting the black flies, was May. And all of a sudden we got above treeline, and uh, above treeline, above treeline, and lightning, and thunder, and hail, and rain. So we turned around 180, ran back down to cover, and uh, we didn't have a tent, we were young, we, you know. I shouldn't say stupid, but I guess we were. We had a tarp, though. We had two pieces of plastic. And we got down below tree line, and we covered over the top. We had a rock right there and a few trees, tied it off. Then on the bottom, we put the tarp, and we just laid there, ate some pita bread, fell asleep, and felt the erosion underneath that tarp. But we took refuge in plastic. It was our refuge. We were out of the weather. The rock was part of the scenario also. But it's said to me, and I was only a baby Christian at the time, God is our coverer. He is our refuge, David says in other Psalms, our strength. He is the one who is our shield and is our buckler. And all of those point to what David's talking about. I have faith in Yahweh. That's the name of god here if you want to learn about the names of god just go down mary's uh uh, sunday school room It's phenomenal i'm learning every time i go there it's just beautiful yahweh that's god's name that he gave to moses right and david says i trust in that name it means to have faith to make god a refuge our strength our hiding place our shield and our buckler We were kept away from the rain and the wetness and the storm, and God keeps us from some of those things. Now, when we think of the New Testament word, it's faith, isn't it? Greek word pistis, faith. That's the same word as trust. Sometimes trust is used in the New Testament, but faith mostly. Lots and lots of times. There are three kinds of faith I want to talk about this morning as we think of this first verse. Saving faith. Sustaining faith and sanctifying faith. First of all, saving faith. I think David knew what it meant to have saving faith. He knew that God was the one who was going to bring him into his true house. Remember the end of Psalm 23, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you and I know from Ephesians 28 9 that by grace we have been saved through faith, not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. For 18 years of my life, well, maybe not the first two, I knew that Jesus died on the cross. I knew that Jesus died on the cross for sins, but I never knew that he died for me, that he died for my sins. And on a September evening, 1971, this guy, big 6'3", former tight end, University of Missouri, was working for Campus Crusade for Christ, shared the gospel with me. You can tell, 51 years ago, and it's still, it's like yesterday, and he shared that gospel. I don't remember what he said. All I remember was, Ooh, I'm in trouble, because <laughs> I knew my sin, and I knew about sin. I was a Catholic, and we knew about sin, but then the next moment, it just seemed like, the, the, The light came, and I could see Jesus Christ, not visibly, but I could see he was the answer. And for the first time in my life, I knew that Jesus had died for me. Woke up the next morning, started reading the Bible, been reading it ever since, and it's a grand grand journey. Saving faith, but there's also sustaining faith. This is the faith that John talks about in 1 John 5. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. You and I need to be Nike, Nike, that's just the word victory, victorious. We have an overcomer in Jesus Christ our Lord and we can be overcomers. He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. That's a promise. That's awesome. That's sustaining faith, and God sustains us. But we need to exercise that faith, don't we? I'm reading through the Gospels right now. I did Genesis through Malachi. It took me three years, but you know, I'm a slow reader, and I get stuck in some places, and it's fun. I like the Ezekiel. I read it over and over and over again. But now I'm in Matthew, and I see the message of Jesus. What is it? Your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. Oh, I've never seen faith like all of this in all of Israel, Was a Roman centurion. So we need to exercise that faith as God sustains us in sustaining faith. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure, he and us. And then sanctifying faith, which is really connected to sustaining faith, keeping us pure and holy, progressing in our walk with God. And all of this is a package, isn't it? pastor talked to us uh, last week, I think. In fact, he wrote about it, about faith past. That's justification, uh, glorification, salvation, but in between sanctification that's what we're involved in each day young people sanctification is not easy it's not easy to be holy old people it's not easy to be holy amen to that amen but we progress it's a process where's joel sorry i missed sunday school today we had a family Picture at 9 o'clock, when am I going to get 12 grandchildren and all my, you know. So, did you record it? Because I'd like to listen to it. No, all right. You give me the highlights, all right? Yeah. Decisions are made. That's our life. Every decision adds up, and it's important. It's a process. This is sanctification. And if we're making progress, that's what matters. Some days it's two steps forward, three steps backwards. Some days it's three steps forward, two steps backwards. I have weeks. I think this week was a five-step forward week. It was really cool, you know, but watch out. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You know, that's when you drop the hardest. So you gotta be careful, always being attuned. All of that from verse one, in the Lord, I take refuge. God gives us this gift of faith so that we might be saved, that we might be being saved, and that one day, one glorious day, and he's gonna talk about that in the last verse, we will be totally saved, free from sin, this this body, this this hanger-on of pain and whatever it is that, that drags us down, and we'll be free from that and glorified, and we'll be all together glorifying the Savior who made it all possible. So trust. It encompasses all of our Christian life. Hebrews eleven to five, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then Hebrews twelve thirty-seven, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Faith is that important. But we are not, uh, not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Have you put your faith in him? Do you trust him each day for every circumstance that you face? Some are more difficult than others, but God grants us a measure of faith each time we face an obstacle, a trial, or a struggle. Point one, trust in the Lord. Point two, trust in the Lord in the midst of madness and chaos of our lives. And I want to illustrate this because life is not that easy and in fact when I chose this psalm months and months ago I thought what more appropriate psalm for 2022. 2020, 2021 and 22 have been mundo bizarro as the Fonz would say and it was, yeah may we never pass this way again. But I want to illustrate this with a, a, a life of a couple. Two people, one a widow, the other, other a widower. They had both lost their spouses to cancer. Somehow they got connected, fell in love, got married. One had four children, the other had three. Can you imagine? Blended family. And then they had one of their own, a special needs child. That's madness and chaos. And yet, I listened to this podcast. They had such a great story and testimony. And uh, the wife said, it took us 10 years to get to know each other, to stop comparing. Some of the comparing was good comparing. oh, my other spouse didn't do, you know that, wow, that, she's doing that. but then the bad comparing, oh wow, I, I don't like that. that. you know, can you imagine? the complications of that relationship, but it spoke to me so clearly that that's what God is all about. He is the God in the midst of the chaos and the madness. Our faith is very practical and very much about everyday life, both in the dramatic and in the mundane. Young people, you know what the mundane means? That means the everyday, boring part of life, and some of it's boring. I teach high school, and I hear that word a lot. I try not to be, but you know, the mundane is the everyday. You got to get up, you got to go to work, you got to go to school, you got to eat, you got to God is in the mundane as much as he's in the dramatic and the spectacular. It's not our natural bent to put our trust in God. However needy we are, it is our natural tendency to trust in ourselves, self-made man. And now in the 21st century, self-made women, right? I'm not. Not at all. God made me. Um, I try to be humble. I'm just a high school teacher. Don't make that much money. Uh, But I'm glad and good with my position because I trust him. I got to trust him this year. I've been praying already. I go to school. Those of us who teach school, our summers, I'll be quiet, but our summer's closing in on us. And you know, it's sad but true. But yeah, about the first day, I'm excited. 35th year it'll be. The mundane. We have a great need. And that's really implied here. And then it: we are weak, we are wicked, we are wretched, and we are wreckers. Let me parse out each one of those. We are weak. That's what David says when he says, in the Lord I take refuge. That's not a bad thing to know that you are weak. Where does Jesus begin in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed um, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And that's where he starts. If you start low, you can only go high. And that's where God takes us. But we are weak. Uh, This bird that David says, and I don't know who he's having a conversation with, if it's a hypothetical, or if it's just some people who are saying, you know, come on, get, 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 get out of Saul's way here. I don't know if that's the context of this. Psalm 18 points to that context. I don't know if Psalm 11 does, but he says, flee like a bird to your mountain. And I didn't understand this verse until a couple days ago. I was on my walk, and there was a morning dove, and I was, I sprint every once in a while when I walk. You know, like a 69-year-old guy can sprint, and not not too fast, but, and I sprinted, and all of a sudden that dove took off. Headed toward Elm Hill. And I thought, wow, Lord, you made this verse come alive. And, and sometimes we do have to flee, but David said, I don't have to flee. I've got this God who I take refuge in. And yet David, if you read the rest of the Psalms no, uh, reveals, he knew he was weak, right? So we are weak and God wants us to, be, uh, wants us to realize that. Secondly, we are wicked. It says, for behold, the wicked bend the bow They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. It's the whole story of the Bible, right? Adam and Eve, Cain, Noah's contemporaries, Sodom and Gomorrah, whole civilizations like the Egyptians, Assyrians, and Babylonians, to name a few. But look at the way this this wicked person, they have a bow. They're bending it. They're ready to shoot. And even in the dark. So we're wicked but we're also wretched. Not only do humans attack each other but they do so sometimes arbitrarily as if that other person doesn't matter. David says they shoot their arrows in the dark. I'm not going to go into the detail and I don't Ever reveal anything, but I've experienced some of that in education the last two years, just kind of John the same, you know. It seems like something's coming and it seems like it's in the dark. It's like I'm experienced teacher, you know, but I was told by a, a, a student in a meeting with my principal, you better watch what you say. Oh, okay, I'll take that advice. 69-year-old man, 17-year-old young lady, well, you know. That's life today. I don't know why they were coming after me, but who knows? We have have the Lord to protect us. Human beings go after people, and we see that. Uh, I don't like to read the news anymore because that's all it seems like that is happening. Uh, The arrows are being shot, sometimes indiscriminately, as if those shooting them do not care who they slay. Yeah. But not only are we weak, wicked, wretched, we are wreckers. W-R-E-C-K-E-R. For those of you who are English, aficionados. I'm not. I'm a social studies teacher. The foundations are shaken. They're being destroyed. That's what David says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? There are some things we can do. But the foundations are being shaken, and really, this is the story of the Bible, the garden, the flood, what Pastor Brian's going to get to in in Sodom and Gomorrah, the Tower of Babel. Uh, It goes all the way through poor Israel, right? Poor Israel, but they shook their fist at God and wrecked a whole civilization. One civilization is raised up, becomes strong, but then haughty, and then it fails, and another is raised up. It can start in a home, in a village, a state, or a country. Think of what Putin's doing in Ukraine, and you might agree with what he's doing, so I don't, I'm not talking politically, but it seems as if when you go after hospitals and uh, I read an article of a brother who was the president of a seminary there in Kiev, and uh, a student who lay in the street dead because of that. We are wreckers. You get the picture. Wreckers of civilizations, wreckers of nations, and then think of Hitler and all that went on. We all think that this end is coming, don't we? Seems like every generation. Can you imagine living when Mussolini, Hitler, and Hirohito were at work? Whoa. Now, that's before my time. I'm not that old, so. Have your foundations been shaken as of late? Certainly since March of 2020, all of us have experienced that. But this is nothing compared to a future day of judgment. Just read the book of Revelation. There's a day coming when God will shake it all up and humanity will be faced with his wrath and his judgment, Hebrews 12. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Always have open ears. For if those who did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And yet his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. This expression yet once more denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Listen to what can't be shaken. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. No matter what happens around us, no matter what our circumstances are, we have our God. And that's my third point. We must trust the Lord in the midst of madness and chaos, because there is a God in the heavens who is not only in charge, he is in control of all things. And that's where David sends us in verses 4. Through seven. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Thank you, John, for sharing overwhelmed this morning. I love that song. I get to pick it, but I am overwhelmed when I think of my God, the Holy One in the heavens, set apart from all. Sin does not touch him. I don't understand that. That's beyond our capacity, that's mystery, and yet he is holy. And he resides in the heavens apart from us. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Habakkuk put it, th- put it this way. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Silence is not an American thing, is it? But when you think of our God, I am overwhelmed. I can't fathom all that he is. And he is all that he is at all times, everything all at once from eternity past to eternity future. That's the doctrine of divine simplicity, which I can't even understand, but I'm trying to. God is God. That's why he gives the name, I am. He doesn't have to say anything else. That's why Jesus said, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. And we know the triune God, thrice holy, the Holy Spirit. Remember Acts when Ananias and Sapphira were killed? And Peter said, you lied to God. And then he said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. So we have a thrice holy. Holy God, who is in the heavens, somehow interacts with us. And this is the one that blows my mind. I hope it blows your mind. Father, Son, and Spirit are within me. Check it out. John 17 and a few other places. Father, Son, and Spirit are within me. That's why we're called a temple. Of the Holy Spirit. We are sacred. And we have to carry that sacredness. In such a manner that God. Would be pleased. Otherwise. And we do this every time we sin. We're doing what the wicked do. Shaking our fists at God. That's what they're doing here. The wicked bend their bow. And so if your life has been shaken up. And some of our lives have been. What do we need to do? My first point. Trust. Trust in this great God. Jonah, remember the trouble he was in? He was in a fish, a whale, belly of a big fish. And what did he say? Jonah 2.4, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Even in the fish, he was concerned about God and his temple. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. David had such an awareness of the presence of God that it affected him for most of his life. And perhaps it is one reason he's called a man after God's own heart. It was about this time, five years ago, that they started giving me anesthesia, and, and uh, eventually you know, did their thing. Saved my life. But before that, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. I knew the doctor had said, you may go tomorrow. Depends how long it takes with this other lady. He had to put a valve in, take a valve out, and uh, spare you the details. Um, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I woke up. And I had one of the most sacred times I've ever had with God. I remembered verses and quoted them that I hadn't remembered. I sang little choruses, I sang hymns that I hadn't sung in a long time, and I just worshiped God. I I didn't know if I was gonna wake up from that surgery, and it didn't matter to me, because I knew where I was going. And I just had a rich, rich time with my father. And you know, that should be our norm, although not having surgery like that, So it was special. I will never forget it. I will thank the Lord for it in heaven, but I've never felt that close to God in the midst of madness and chaos. So this trust is not an abstract uh, conception or concept, but one that is very experiential. James puts it this way, draw near to God, and I will draw near to you. There's nothing more important than the presence of God in our lives. That is, once we're covered by the lamb and by his blood. So after a hard day, a day in which I have faced difficult circumstances, or a day in which there have been a number of kerfuffles, you all know what a kerfuffle is. It's very disturbing. Disturbs the equilibrium. Even if I have just one big kerfuffle, at night I go to bed and quote Psalm 23, and spend time with my Lord. Go to sleep with it, meditate on it, walk through it. I meet with God and thank him for his sustenance, his faithfulness, he restores my soul. I thank him for his presence. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And if you translate the Hebrew there, it's not shadow of death as much as it is valley of deep darkness. It's not just death, but valleys that David Was in before deep darkness, and we are there at times in our lives. Um, I thank the Lord for his protection and his presence. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. God's presence is so important. The Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven, and yet he comes to meet with us. Enjoy that, participate in it. There's nothing worse than not having God's glory and God's presence. Remember Ichabod? He was the dude that was named because the ark had been stolen, taken by the Philistines. Phinehas and Eli had died and the, uh, the mother of Ichabod named him. No glory, without glory. That's the worst experience that a human being can go through. The glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. That's what Adam and Eve experienced when they were banished from paradise. And yet the end of the book, this book, we have Revelation 21 and 22. What does it say? No sun. No moon. God Himself will be our light. His presence will be right there. And we will be together with Him. That's God's desire for us. And ultimately it will be fulfilled. Well, I've got a whole lot more, but I'm going to cut it short. Because you get the point. Trust in the Lord. In the midst of madness. Madness. And if you can't define what a woman is, that's madness. Sorry about that, but it's madness. In the midst of madness and chaos, disorder, because we have a God who is not only in charge. He's in control. Now, that's, that's hard to believe, isn't it, sometimes? It's hard to believe, but he is. The Bible states that over and over clearly. Clearly, clearly. And so I'll ask this morning are you trusting him? Maybe for the first time, you didn't know that Jesus died for you. I found that out at 18. And if this is the first time you found that out, you can say, Jesus, you did that for me. I give you my life. I'll follow you. You Do that right now. For the rest of us who are, have already done that, are you making him your refuge? It's a great God that we have. He can be trusted. Isaiah says, look to him all the ends of the earth. And Jesus said, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Father, these simple words from a simple man are complex because they're your thoughts. And you want us to trust you. So I pray for each person here that this morning they would trust you in a new way, in a different way throughout this week. They would throw themselves upon you in the midst of madness and chaos. And Father, we pray that you would Give us a vision of yourself, so that we will be able to do that on a regular basis. You are the omniscient one, the omnipresent one, the one full of of wrath, and yet, God, you're full of love. And we thank you, we praise you, and we ask that you might continue to be with us as we sing and hear your benediction. In Jesus' name, amen. Be thou my vision. A beautiful prayer as we close 382.
1: Ah. Thou my inheritance, now and always. Thou and Thou only, first in my heart. I, King of heaven,
0: my treasure, Thou. Paige, could you just give us the first note? We'll sing it a cappella. King of heaven
1: My victory won May I reach Heaven's joys O bright and sun Heart of my own Whatever befall Still me my
0: but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith praying in the spirit keep yourselves in the love of God waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life and have mercy on some who doubt save others snatching them out of the fire and on some have mercy with fear hating even the garment polluted by the flesh now to the now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy to the only god our savior through jesus christ our lord be glory and majesty dominion and power before all time now, and forevermore. Amen.